0: I'm a master healer who works with all earthlings to reunite them within themselves and with each other, regardless of the dimension they're currently in. Meaning, I'm a medium as well as an animal communicator, medical intuitive, and channel for all beings. I use the tools of shamanic journeying and soul retrieval to support animals and humans as they heal from past trauma. I'm certified as a Reiki master teacher and as a canine massage therapist. This is the Animal's Eye View podcast. Perhaps you're like me that... If you see a movie once, you can enjoy the movie and it's great. But oftentimes, it's so interesting when I see a movie like for a second and a third time... I pick up on all these little details and all these little meanings that kind of escaped me before. And sometimes it's like I enjoy the movie even more the second and third time around. And it's not, I don't mind that it's just like, oh, I know what's going to happen. And of course, you can't do it, you know, with all movies, because with some movies, you're not meant to no, the ending before the ending comes. And then when the ending comes, it's a real surprise and you know, all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of fun to watch a movie like a second and third time because I'm like, Oh my gosh. Yeah, this fills out the story for me. And it's almost like there's only so much I can take in from the movie the first time around that I can process. And so it's just, it's just really fun to watch a movie more than once. One of those movies that I just thoroughly enjoy watching more than once is Avatar. I just found it to be so incredibly magical and mostly the land where the people lived with the, the tree that was integral to their life and who they were and how they worked with nature herself and all other beings. I mean, I just, I just really, really loved that movie. And it's interesting because when you think about Avatar, Avatar, the word itself has a, has a current meaning, a modern meaning. We have Avatar the movie, and we also have what's your avatar, as in what's your icon, the face that you present to the world, either usually in a form that is not an actual photo of you. It's, again, an avatar of you. And when I looked up the word avatar, it actually has another meaning that we'll be using for the podcast today, and that is the incarnation of a Hindu deity, especially Vishnu, in human or animal form. And I just thought that was really lovely, to think about avatar in connection with a deity. And when I looked up who the god Vishnu was, Vishnu is the preserver god, which means he protects the universe from being destroyed and keeps it going, according to this religion. And he has come to earth in nine forms called avatars so far, with one yet to come, Kalki avatar, at the end of Kali Yuga to destroy the evil. And for me, of course, I do look at all beings on the planet, and most especially animals, <laughs> as being incarnations of ascended masters, of other deities, of messengers. And of course, inside the human experience, I'm not sure that we necessarily think of ourselves the same, and not in an egocentric way but in a way of, yeah, I'm a light being down here on the planet, and I'm also having my own experience, and I also carry with me the cosmos, the universe, and thus that forms a connection with all other beings on the planet. And I became particularly aware of this when I was taking a walk along one of my favorite hikes, trails. It's more a trail. It's not really a hike, because I I definitely saunter (laughs) along this trail from time to time. And there was a creek going by, and it was kind of away from the paved path, which I also really kind of especially enjoy. Not that I don't like seeing other people, but if I really want to get super close to nature and just kind of reset This is definitely the path that I choose. And so I was walking along this path and thinking kind of about nothing, as you sometimes do in walking along the path. I was just enjoying the river. I was enjoying the sounds. I was enjoying the smells. I was enjoying the sights. And within the next step that I took of about 10 to 12 inches, I came within about two to three inches of this adorable little black capped chickadee. And I was just the first emotion that I felt was surprise to be so close to, in particular, a bird, because as you all know, yes, if you talk to them, they talk back. We're also so much physically bigger than they are that we also can appear as predator to them. But in that instant, I was again inches away and there were just like a few heartbeats where I looked at this chickadee, they looked back at me, and there was just kind of like this sinking up of an awareness of Unity just like I said, for a couple of heartbeats. And within the next couple of heartbeats, I stepped back into human experience and human awareness. And in an instant, there was a disconnect that happened. There was a separation that happened. And in that next moment, then, of course, is when the chickadee flew away. But just for that one moment... There was just Chickadee and me in this space of complete and perfect unity. There was no fear on their part. There was only, I guess I would say, surprise slash awe on my part and actually just a oneness, a unity that was just really striking to me. I've become much more of a birder these days to the point that I'm actually looking into getting binoculars for myself just because it's so fun to be outside to become aware of just the hundreds of species that you can find in just an incredibly small geographic location. I think I've told you before about this app that I'm have on my phone called BirdNet. It's free. You just download the app and you just point it in the direction. You hit the record button of whatever bird song it happens to be that you're hearing. And it will tell you once you select, here's what I want you to analyze BirdNet app. It will tell you almost certainly, mostly certain. This is a wild guess. Those are kind of like the predetermined algorithms in the app of what species it is that you are hearing. Because, of course, we sometimes don't see them, right? We can hear them. Obviously, they want to camouflage themselves in trees, bushes, etc. And the really interesting thing about the seeing and what we sometimes don't realize about other species is that We have within our eyes three types of photoreceptors or cones in the retina, and we can absorb light of red, green, and blue. And so it's like we have three, like, color channels. And the really interesting thing is that birds have, like, four color channels. They have red, green, blue, and ultraviolet. And the really interesting thing about having this ultraviolet vision is that it enables birds to find both food as well as partners. I've talked before and have put links in the podcast notes about how if you look at the certain types of flowers in a certain location under an ultraviolet light, you can actually see that they do have and can project ultraviolet light in their petals which of course then attracts the the bees and the birds and other beings like that for pollination so you see that everything kind of works together it's also really interesting that birds use their right and left eyes for different tasks as in humans, a bird's brain is divided into two hemispheres, the right and the left. But because of the way the nerves are arranged, the left half of their brain processes information from the right side of the body and vice versa. So you can see kind of almost from a prey standpoint that if they're seeing something on the left side of their eye, the right side of the brain processes that So the right side of the body kind of gets activated. And again, vice versa. All of these things that I'm talking about, there's a link that I'm quoting from, from the Audubon Society that I'll put into the podcast notes. The message from this bird was, there's going to be a shifting paradigm as I'm putting it in avatar unity, there's going to be a shifting paradigm that we're going to be asked more and more as beings in human experience to step outside of our human experience into this place of, if not earthling experience, I would say earthling experience with a deep resonance and a connecting anchor or a connecting core of our own connection with the divine. And I know that sometimes it's not easy for humans to connect with the divine, and even using the word divine, because immediately then sometimes our brain goes to the place of, okay, so within my construct of organized religion, this is what divine means to me. For instance, when people of the Hindu belief system talk about Vishnu, it has a very specific resonance for them. In other religions, there is Buddha, there is God, there is the Virgin Mary, there, there is Jesus... There are all these kinds of, I guess I would say, maybe mystical avatars. And this is where I think as humans, and this might very well be our biggest challenge yet, to, in stepping outside of that human experience, to also leave behind these constructs. You know, I think that sometimes people are under the impression that it's politics, that starts most wars on the planet and in fact history would tell you that it's actually religion that it's differences in systems of belief in religion and a and a demand almost that other people on the planet other beings in human experience adopt our religion and if their religion also says that what other people believe cannot continue to stand, then that's what causes us to step into these places of saying, it's not okay with me that you are how you are. Because we're missing the point. We're missing the point that if we continue to remain anchored into these false constructs and not step as this little sweet little chickadee did in showing me there has to be a shifting of a recognition of what the divine means on this planet. And I don't want the divine to be some squishy, AKA technical term, squishy concept like energy is. And I think that's where sometimes science has gone off the rails and that we have made it so incredibly sterile And I don't think anywhere on the planet in these particular experiences, most definitely, you absolutely cannot be cut off from the meaning of that experience. And I frankly don't think it's necessary to to try and define that experience and to try and make it something that most definitely you demand that other beings adopt And if there's something wrong with how they believe, and if they choose not to adopt your particular belief system, that you somehow must eradicate them. I think the message from this bird was, if you step into this place of unity, if you step into this place of there's really everything outside of chickadee experience and human experience, Then it's possible to simply gaze on other species on the planet with only reverence and respect and understand that as the animals do, it is only the working within partnership and with partnership with other species and with the planet herself that's going to get us to where, frankly, we're already headed. And we can either be dragged kicking and screaming and hanging on to things that no longer serve Or we can start to adopt a new definition of divine, small d, and kind of leave behind these things that just no longer are serving us. At least that's how the animals see it. Thanks for listening today. I offer all new clients a free 15-minute consultation. Reach out if you think I can be of service via www.lizanneflynn.com. Come and find me on social media, Facebook, Twitterverse, Instagram, and LinkedIn. This has been the Animals Eye View podcast. I'll see you next time.